Off the Ball. Getting inside the game. Sponsored by Ireland's favourite car brand, Ford. Go further. All right, you're very welcome back. Uh, you're listening to Friday Night Off the Ball. We're going to be previewing the World Cup semi-finals, which are taking place without us in a couple of minutes' time. Uh, getting the view from Danny Herbert ahead of the Australia-Argentina game. In the next hour, we're going to speak with Ashwin Willemse. Willemse. He's a, a former gang member, drug dealer, drug user. Uh, shot at a couple of times. Um, carried guns. Used to shoot people. Now he's a former Springbok who uh, dedicates his life to youth work. It's a pretty wow. amazing turnaround. It's like 50 cent of rugby. Pretty much, yeah. Um, maybe without the money and then the subsequent bankruptcy. Okay, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it's a brilliant story. I've already done the interview. Sat down with him a little bit earlier on this afternoon and uh, that's coming up just after 8 o'clock. And then we have a crappy quiz as well. So it's uh, your usual Friday night fair. If you want to get in touch with us, you can tweet us here at Off The Ball or you can text us on 53106. Can't get any love on for the... World Cup semi-finals. Me neither. Feels like a two two brilliant games in store, but it's just the rugby championship, isn't it? Just closer to us. Yeah, with a much bigger, better prize. Yeah, bigger, better prize. But at the same time, like I'm not one of these fellas that gets up early on a Saturday morning to watch these games. Are you? No, they're on here when you're in anyway for work, and you're like, oh look, that's interesting. It's forty four, forty two. Wow, <laughs> it looks like a cracker. <laughs> they're playing an alien game. What? That's not rugby, is it? Near a box kick, I for God's sake. No, why? But why does the ball never go out of play? <laughs> The, the line-out jumpers don't seem to be as important in this game. Uh, yeah, it's funny. Whenever there's a party going on that you're not invited to, it's like, I don't really care about this. Yeah, I'm going to, look, I'm definitely going to watch both games, but I'm not, excited, I'm not necessarily excited about them. If I happen to be travelling during one of the games, yeah. I'm not going to be too disappointed. I think I'm more looking forward to New Zealand, uh, South Africa than the other one. Uh, I mean, I do love watching Australia playing. Oh, yeah? I would yeah. have actually gone completely the opposite direction. Yeah? Yeah, well, South Africa now, in fairness, they aren't the most entertaining team to watch. But I think Argentina are brilliant to watch. I think Australia are brilliant to watch. When they met, it was Moida. Yeah. It's just that uh, Argentina, even though they are great to watch, they still don't have that glamour about them, though. Oh, yeah. You're still... They're not, a, they're not a juggernaut, though. Like, you're still talking them down after they, have, <laughs> after they annihilated you. Like, ah, I don't still, care about They it. haven't won me over yet. They haven't won me over yet. They're I'm not. a little bit annoyed about the manner in which to beat us, but look. Yeah, they're not very good. Uh, South Africa, New Zealand, 1995 memories all over again. Let's have it. All right, we've got Brian Ojusko with us. Um, first off, Brian, I bet you're pretty glad uh, that when you were at the peak of your powers, WhatsApp wasn't really a thing. Um, this is true. This is a statement that I could concur with. <laughs> yeah, um, I think many uh, retired international that uh, social media and WhatsApp has been cruel to many, many professional athletes in recent years. And yes, just at the right time. Seriously, though, uh, this is obviously a very low time for this group of players, and they'll all recover in their own individual ways. But is there anything that helps? Is there anything that kind of somehow eases the pain of what they've just gone through? No, no, not really, not really. Um, I said it week in the show. You know, if, as bad as the public field, you know, the players are feeling ten times worse. You know, I know a lot of them have been out of Ireland and, and gotten away, and either for you know a blowout, whatever be it, you know, having a few nights out or away with loved ones for a bit of sun, people are, are thinking and just getting away from all things rugby. I'm trying, probably trying not to, you know, see or, or read what's going on in the last week, particularly in Ireland, but also the hype surrounding, you know, the semi-finals that they feel they could so easily have been in. That, uh, there's a general kind of, oh, you got to get back up in the horse thing in, in life, you know, get out there, feel the ball again. That's all nonsense, right? You don't really want Yeah. To. No, no, it is nonsense for the most part. At, 
sometimes, do you know what in England? In, it, it, it's funny in England circumstance, it is you know get back get back up on the horse. You know when it's been that disastrous, but when you've when it's and they, there's been a huge expectation level, and you've gotten to kind of the second or third last hurdle, and then you fall. It, it just it, it's a, it's a different disappointment than what England are feeling. They just want to forget about it, whereas Ireland are rueful of of not being able to perform at a stage where they need where they really needed to 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 achieve something that no team has managed in Ireland before, and that's the really upsetting thing, and that's the thing that it will be, will really is that. They know it was there. It was there, you know, the week of France, and then, you know, we had a big performance. You know, some casualties, and and they cost us ultimately. But we didn't perform on the day that we needed to against Argentina, and you can't have those games back. Is it hard? Is it hard to get the attitude right getting back into a mucky Pro 12 game? You know, after the highs of the World Cup and then the lows and the disappointment. You know, your attitude might be a little bit off coming into a dressing room that's all enthusiastic about a game. You're meant to say it makes no difference, but of course it does. You know, World Cup and and the Pro 12, like um, it was Glasgow this weekend, probably one of the better games to yeah. to, uh, to get to play in because you know Glasgow are a good team, play a good brand. So you know, you know, from a Leinster perspective, you'll be straight back in, and and there's an expectation of you. But you know, as a, a Grand Dragons away. Or you know one of the Italian teams away that would be that would be a tough ask because you you can't mentally stay at the same point for a full season you have to have peaks and troughs you have to be able to um, be selfish and get away from it for a little while and then switch back on because capacity to be able to stay on stay in tune for a full season it's it just it doesn't work that way and you know what I couldn't even stay in tune for a full game I kind of come and go wave in and out and. Um, and have a bit of a laugh, and then switch on again when the ball went into play. So, you know, from a season point of view, even the most, um, you know, thorough players, the Johnny Wilkinsons and the and the and the, and the Johnny Sexton's of the world, even they need a, a break away from it as much as you know, you'd think from Wilco's uh, books and from the way he talks, lives, you know, breathes, sleeps, and eats rugby. You know, he does need a break away too, and and up in that regard. Um, we'll come back to this in, in a little while, but we should maybe uh, cut short the autopsy and the post-mortem because we should also recognise that there was an amazing team playing against us who are preparing for a World Cup semi-final. We've got one of their legends on the line. I'm delighted to say Diego Albanese is with us. Diego, how are you doing? Hello, how are you? Good afternoon. Yeah, well, we're all depressed. I guess you're pretty excited. <laughs> yes, we are. We are really uh, after... Uh uh, that performance against uh, against Ireland, and uh, you know, just not because of the result, but because of the way they are playing at the moment. So, just, just uh, let me say hello to uh, the legend VOD, please. How are you, Brian? <laughs> Diego? Good to hear from you. How are you doing? I'm all right. I'm all right. It's just uh, I'm very honored to have this this call. You know, uh, I still remember that uh, when we played against each other and. Well, I, uh, I am a bit older than you, and then I stopped uh, playing, and back in Argentina, I, I enjoyed watching you for, for so many years, so just, uh, it was a privilege, mate, to play against you, and it's, it's, it's an honor for me to be talking with you, you know, thank you very much. Well, it's lovely, it's lovely to speak with you again, and I can't say I ever enjoyed losing to you, but it happens on too many occasions. Yeah, well, we had a, we had a couple of nights of night battles, you know, and actually my last game was against you in, in Adelaide in, in 2003, 
After yeah. that, I, I didn't play anymore. So, uh, well, but you know, uh, after three World Cups and and 50 odd uh, Test matches, I thought it was time to to give uh, the family a little bit more time. So, uh, well, that's that, that's that's it. And now we are excited and focused on this uh, great game on Sunday and still enjoying uh, uh, what we what happened in, in Cardiff last last Sunday. I know you didn't enjoy it, Brian. Sorry. No, 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 no. We, we don't even need these guys in the studio, Diego. No. <laughs> we'll just chat away amongst ourselves. We're eavesdropping here. <laughs> here, Diego, did you guys expect to win that game? Because it seemed like you came with the attitude that uh, all we have to do is play as well as we know we can, and this game is ours. Well, look... Um, uh uh, we knew that you, you, you're asking me about the, the Irish game. Or, or yeah, yeah, sorry. yeah. Oh, yeah. the Irish. Yeah. Well, you know, every, everybody who who was asking me what 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 happened, I said, look, Ireland is it's been the best team in in Europe for the last three years. You know, and and then and they are not like one. The problem with Argentina until now is that we might have a very good game and then we we lose the intensity, we lose concentration, and we might lose by thirty points and. And Ireland, otherwise they were, they, they, they've been a very consistent team during the last three years, you know, and it's such a great, they got a, such a great force pack with, uh, with uh, number nine and number 10 who are very good. And, and, you know, we said, well, uh, they, they, they have lost, uh, uh, three or four key players, but they are a great side anyway, you know, and you, you, you could see that against the French. But, well, I don't know. I think Argentina surprised them. Uh, and, and I might say, I just, I don't want to uh, sound arrogant, but I think maybe the, that you underestimated us. I don't know. Uh, uh, because Argentina, you know, to get 17 points ahead in 15 minutes was really weird, you know. Uh, but, well, those opportunities, you know, we, we know how it's knockout rugby and Argentina was... You know, it was very good last Sunday and, you know, uh, that's that's end of story, you know. So we enjoyed it, really. The game that um, Argentina played was, particularly in the early part, they attacked Ireland out wide. Now, in the aftermath of the game, everybody says, well, that's obviously what you do against Ireland because they defend very narrowly. Is that something that you had expected from Argentina from the kickoff last week? Well, you know, I, I'm here with Felipe and uh, we talked about that before the game and... and and we watched you playing and said, well, maybe they haven't been, they, ha- they haven't been tested really because I don't know if you agree with me, but, but the, the French team is maybe one of the weakest in the last, in the last 10 years, 15 years, 20. And, and I, I think you, you, you play, you know, you beat them very well. So, uh, and now we talked about that. Uh, France was very, maybe very, how do you say, um, uh, the, I don't have the word now, but they were very frontal, you know, a frontal rugby, and and they didn't uh, make you, they didn't ask you questions in defence. Um, and I think what I think Argentina exploded that very well, you know. Uh, uh, what I saw is that you, you, we always catch you with three or four forwards in the middle of the field, you know. So, um, so that was was a good point. What I was what I was surprised maybe is that Ireland didn't. Reacts at time, you know, at the dressing room at halftime, saying, "Well, they are playing really well. Let's do something about it." And um, even if in, in the second half, Ireland defends a little bit better and they put they put more pressure on us. Uh, well, Argentina managed to score two great tries. So it, it was 
I, I, I tried to, to, to be as clear as possible. The Ireland is such a great team that I was quite surprised they, they, they didn't react during the game. You understand what I mean? Yeah. Brian, what chance do you give Argentina against Australia? It must take a lot of heart from Scotland's performance. Yeah, they should. I think, I think you won't see Australia. First of all, I couldn't agree more with, with pretty much everything that Diego said there. Um, I think Ireland may not have, have underestimated them, but I don't think they thought they were going to be as good as they were in that first 15, 20 minutes. They just came out of the blocks, and I think that stunned Ireland. Um, yeah, and then, true, you yeah. know, when we look at the, the leaders that we lost, the guys that need to pull it together when something, you know, shocking happens to the system like that, I don't know if, if we had people in those key positions. That's where we were probably lacking. Um, so Australia won't be as bad as as, um, as they were against Scotland. That's for certain. Um, but I think Argentina are, are very, very capable. I just sense that... They're delighted they've gotten to a semi-final, and I hope that that's not enough for them, that they want to uh, uh, achieve a final. I just get the sense that they were delighted, and I know the Argentinians celebrate big performance and big results, and it was a huge result, but watching them in the stadium afterwards, they, they, they seemed delighted you know, about getting into a semi. I just think that that might have been their huge game, and I feel that Australia are a, are a team capable of pulling sides apart, and Argentina have conceded quite a few points in the tournament. They conceded a couple of soft tries against Ireland, and you won't see the, the Australian defence being as porous as Ireland was. So that all that being put together, I just feel that Australia will be able to, to, to pull them apart enough to score some tries. It's just a matter of whether Argentina's attack is as strong as it was at the weekend, because Australia will be, will be ready for that onslaught of first 15 minutes for sure. Diego? Well, I, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with with Brian. I think, you know, if you if you if you look at the whole World Cup, maybe Australia, uh, they have already played three quarterfinals game because we knew that they had to beat uh, England, and seven days after uh, after that they have to beat Wales, and then they have to beat Scotland. So they were actually tired, you know, and you could see that against the Scottish the Scottish team. So I hope it doesn't it doesn't happen like Brian says, but uh, I think Australia will be on fire. You know, they and they know how to play these games. They are an experienced side. Uh, they've been there a lot of uh, much more, you know, many times than than Argentina. So, well, we will see. Uh, the, you know, imagine that for the RG team, it's maybe once in a lifetime occasion. Juan Martin Hernandez or or Love who, who who were there in 2007, but uh, uh, we will see. It's going to be tough, but uh, I, I agree with Brian that I think Australia will will be prepared to to for everything that Argentina will throw at them. You know, Diego, enjoy the rest of the tournament. Whatever happens, thanks very much for joining us. Oh, it's been Good my pleasure, and I, and I hope I can share a pint with Bog one day. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, Diego Albanese there giving us uh, some thoughts. That that point about the celebrations, um, it, it's it's easy to kind of see how we would maybe have tried to not celebrate after a quarterfinal victory like that, but we probably would have gone crazy as well, right? Totally. No, I don't know if you're going to go crazy out on the pitch. I think Joe would have had them all, you know, go out, you know, congratulate in, in another world, go out and congratulate the crowd and thank them hugely, but then get in because, you know... Australia will feed off that. Will have still have seen, you know, the delight and I know, you know, that Latin temperament and that Latin spirit is 
is kind of unique and we saw it in Felipe when he was with Leinster you know when rugby players aren't meant to celebrate tries Felipe was celebrating and it was like <laughs> oh it's okay he's Argentinian he's allowed to do that and so it's kind of a different set of rules for them but at the same time I just got the sense that they were so delighted they're like oh my god we just beat Ireland by 23 points um, wow we're in another World Cup semi-final and they, they wholeheartedly deserve to be and they shouldn't have been anyway shocked because they're a, they're a, a better team than they were a better team than Ireland on the day, and they're playing a brilliant brand of rugby. And you know what? They can be finalists if they if they get their game together in the semi. Yeah, we're going to talk with Danny Herbert in a moment. Just before we do, though, the general Northern Hemisphere bad, Southern Hemisphere absolutely amazing, and screw you, Northern Hemisphere uh, stuff, which has been being written primarily from the Southern Hemisphere and a little bit from the Northern Hemisphere too. Do you buy all that, or is this like a bit of an overreaction here? Yeah, it's an overreaction. I think I think the the brand of rugby being played between the two, there's definitely there's something to take from that from from the the journalists that are are talking about and um, the style of which you know the two hemispheres are playing. I think they are vastly different. Um, usually, you you know, but the exception of maybe Wales, um, you know, France of old, we're seeing nothing of that, and so they've kind of reverted to to um, you know a pretty physical attritional game, which isn't really in their DNA. Um, England have you know were, were poor at, at their at their game where they usually dominate teams up front and then Ireland had showed some great glimmers of of, of hope and 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 you know, fell at that final hurdle. I suppose Scotland are the ones that you know should be most disappointed um, in 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 the outcome of the quarterfinals. They almost robbed Australia and then they got robbed back. Um, but I don't think that the disconnect is as 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 huge as everyone's making out. I think. Um, you look at Wales, South Africa it was a brilliant game. Wales were decimated with injuries and still managed to you know, give South Africa a fantastic game. Um, and obviously the way Scotland hung in there against against uh, Australia is typical Scotland. If they're in the game at 60 minutes, they have a chance. And and you can see, you can feel you can feel them growing and, and see them growing as as each minute ticks by. And uh, credit you know where where, where Australia are. are or, you know, give them their dues. They um, they managed to pull it back and, and get themselves a penalty opportunity, albeit, you know, with great Craig Joubert being thrown under the bus by by World Rugby uh, on on his adjudication. He called it, he called the play wrong, but you know, in real time, I felt that it was a penalty. Yeah, kind of looked that way. All right, uh, all right. We've got to take a quick break. As I said, we're going to speak with uh, Australian World Cup winner Daniel Herbert in just a moment. Off the ball, getting inside the game. Sponsored by Ireland's favourite car brand, Ford. Go further. All right, you're very welcome back to Friday Night's Off the Ball. We've got uh, Bruno Driscoll with us. Uh, loads of texts and comments and tweets coming in this evening. Um, people wondering if um, you're aware of this conversation that's been happening on the National Airwaves at all, Brian, about the rugby team getting a, a, a bit of a, an easy ride. Yeah, there's a sense out there that the rugby team doesn't get as hard a ride as, they say, the football team, for example. Yeah, I've, I've got. I've picked up bits and pieces of it. Um, I suppose you know. I put my defensive hat on from a player's perspective, and um, you know, do they get an easy ride? I suppose what you get, you 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 get an easy ride off the back of being successful in the last three or four years, and um, and maybe you know if teams aren't going well, you know the media will get on on their case a little bit more. But you have to look back at the last two Six Nations; they've won back-to-back tournaments. Um, have have done things that Irish teams haven't done in the past, so maybe that's you know as a result they've been cut a little bit of slack. 
but that all changes with one game and one performance and um, and, and now there's this big autopsy going on as to where you know what sort of state Irish rugby is in and, and how do we change it. Do you think there'll be more scrutiny on them now after the, you know that Argentina performance in that the style of play and you know there seems to be an appetite out there now for a little bit of change? Yeah, I think there will be. I think um, you know probably the success of the of the Series Six Nations. Um, painted over the style in which Ireland played. You know, people were giving out a little bit, and uh, in you know the general public weren't overly happy. Albeit it was winning rugby with the brand we were playing, and then the couple of warm or the the warm up games probably didn't um, didn't drive um, drive too much hope. But then we got our act together in the pool stages and that huge performance against France. Uh, but now you know it, it, that age old you're only as good as your last performance and that's really coming back to bite you because you don't get another opportunity to wear green until the Six Nations again and um, and that's a horrible thing for them they have to go away to provinces and and you know they'll meet up over Christmas with Joe and, and talk through what happened and they'll try and put it right but I would imagine there will be a little bit more scrutiny and people will be you know less kind to um, the ways and uh, that the Irish team have gone about certain things and, and how they need improving in certain areas. Yeah, I mean, I think if they just come out and explain that they're uh, feeling a lot of pain, the sympathy thing will happen and everybody will get on side. It's not that hard, I think, to win fans back over when the fans just want to support. Like, most supporters want to support. That would be... Yeah, like, like listen, but like you, at the same time, it's, it is Ireland. Let's, let's be realistic here. It is Ireland. We, you know, we have a very small nation. It's not our national sport. And we do tend to over. We've overachieved with winning back-to-back Six Nations. You would think people lose sight of that. And you know, when you look at the numbers playing in the UK and in Wales and in France, you know, by all rights, we shouldn't be winning back-to-back Six Nations. But we have. So brilliant. So I know the fans want to support. We, you know, the players want the, the incredible support base. Of course they do. And they want to give them a reason to cheer. And it's not always going to work out the way they want to. So you can't, you know, from a supporter point of view, you can't just, you know, support the team during the good times. It's so important to support teams when it's not going well. And yeah. um, that would that would be, a, I suppose, a frustration in the past that you, you see, you know, both provincially and from a national team perspective, that you know, people's interest falls away because, you know, the team isn't going well. It's probably when you need the team, you need the support all the more. One one example that people are using is the kind of easy pass Sean O'Brien got for you know an off the ball punch, and you know we're trying to make excuses for it and saying it happened in the week Paul O'Connell's international career ended, but there was no major criticism of Sean O'Brien for actually punching off the ball and you know missing a World Cup quarter final. No, it was it was a really silly thing to do, and and um, you know in the first couple of minutes of the game, and when you when you look at us. You, you realise two weeks down to one, you have to be delighted with that. Albeit he didn't get another opportunity to play in in uh, in the World Cup because we got knocked out. But with the thought that he could have played in the semi final had we been there, he must have thought he was a very very lucky boy. And yeah, mate, you know, for, maybe we were we were wanting want to see the glass half full and and how you know it was a reactive thing. And you can you can spin things whatever way you want. And maybe he did get very lucky from from a media point of view with that. But um, yeah. on another day, you know, they'll they'll look at a thing in a very nasty context. And I suppose his good disciplinary record probably did stand to him in that regard. Yeah, I think that's the, yeah. probably one of the other key issues in that. Okay, let's move on because we've got uh, delighted to say we've got Daniel Herbert, Danny Herbert on the line. Danny, very good evening to you. How are you doing? 
Evening, gentlemen. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. Well, we're having a post-mortem. You guys are, well, now I think nailed on to win this thing because... Uh, certainly back in 91 when you scraped through against one of the Celtic nations in a match that you robbed you went on to handily win the rest of the World Cup so it's fate right? Well we're happy to rob them doesn't matter how they come we're happy to take them uh, Feeling pretty confident out of this game against Argentina or a little bit concerned by how brilliant they were against us? No I think uh, I think quite concerned I mean I can't speak for how the team are feeling right now but uh Certainly, Argentina have been getting better and better over the last few years. They've been playing in the, uh, you know, the, the four nations down in down the southern hemisphere and been getting a lot better. And uh, they're getting some players coming back from France, and uh, and they're getting better and better. And they've got their tails in the air, and they played well against uh, against the Irish team. So no, there's plenty of um, certainly plenty of concern. But uh, I think it's you know I think it's respectful concern. I think if Australia play to their potential, they'd still beat them, but uh, the question is whether they can play to their potential. Yeah, with Cheka and the way that this team have managed things since Cheka has come in, there is a sense that in most games they do play to their potential, and I guess that would be giving Australian fans quite a bit of confidence. Yeah, I think, Brian, if you look at uh, the game on the weekend against Scotland, I think they probably had been through the emotional rollercoaster of, of the England game and then the Wales game, and both different games and they, they managed to get through both of them and probably took their eye off the ball for me. I, I don't think they played with the same intensity and uh, they still played some decent football. They've made some, made some really silly mistakes that you can't play in knockout football and uh, and that almost uh, almost ended their World Cup. But they can play to a high level when they want to and, and Australian rugby uh, supporters have been surprised um, at how well they've gone, really, to be honest. And uh, we knew they had that in them, but they hadn't produced it and uh, and so we were quite quite uh, buoyed by some of their performances. But last weekend, a lot of concern over the fact that in knockout football, there just seemed to be a sense of uh, looking maybe forward ahead a week too uh, a week too far. So I don't think they'll have that that uh, tomorrow. I think they would have got a, a stiff kick up the backside from Checker, and I think they'll uh, they'll bring their A game tomorrow. Yeah, Brian, what do you think Check oh, is Sunday. saying this week? What what uh, what type of a character is he this week in the dressing room? Listen, you know, I think the players themselves are such high-quality players that they'll have realised, you know, how how lucky they were to scrape through into the semi-final in the manner in which they did. And so, in in that regard, coaches don't always need to say a huge amount. You know yourself, and so you need to knuckle down and make sure that won't happen again. Now it won't. I don't think they're going to take Argentina lightly in any shape or form. Maybe the way they did against Scotland. I, for one, thought it was a foregone conclusion, Australia playing Scotland, but I suppose that's the brilliance of knockout rugby and, and of World Cup rugby, that you know the men or the perceived um, underdog can, can, can push right to the very end. And you saw it four years ago in the final where New Zealand had absolutely destroyed France in the pool stages and then they probably should have lost them in the final. So it, it, it just shows where... You know the players, um, where the intensity and when the players mentally switched on or not can be the difference between winning and losing. And you you won't see Australia falter again in that regard. Um, if they don't win it, it'll be because they did they lost the physical battle, not the mental battle. What what about Kane Douglas, Brian? He seems like a man transformed. Is this Checker's genius again? I know. I I, I have to say, I'm struggling to see <laughs> the, the player that we saw. You know, in Ireland last year, um, who you know for for large parts only came off the bench for for Leinster, um, and he, you know he is a starter for him, and uh, he's been playing magnificently for him, and obviously checks he's he he because um, he's 
gone back to Australia, he's gotten into an environment that he's much happier in, and so you're seeing the best of his rugby. I think he was, you know, himself and his family weren't happy in the setup in, in, in Dublin, and obviously things like weather become big factors when you're used to the sun shining on your back, and um, and when when they when they when they don't settle in, it's very hard to play really good stuff. And so when he's settled back in Australia and and gone back into his usual mode, he he's been back to the player of old. Uh, Danny, that that pack has been brilliant so far, uh, but it clearly lacked Pocock last week, and just even in terms of his leadership and driving the team on, and having him back this week, that kind of really would make you feel okay. There's just a solidity now about the whole Australian team, but he's such a, a key player for them. Yeah, and uh, and throttling. So I think uh, we probably thought we had plenty of cover for him, and uh, it showed last week. I think not not just from the uh, I guess himself and uh, and Israel out, but if I had to pick one player that had a major impact, it'd be it'd be Pocock. And I thought before the the tournament, he was my pick for player of the tournament. I just think he he just adds that drive to to any team that he's in, and uh, and he's been outstanding. No one thought, and I don't think even Checker thought that he'd make a number eight, because I think they probably had designs on a uh, a line out jumper playing that number eight position. But they worked so well together himself and Hooper that he probably had no choice, and was probably surprised by how well he he went there and having that uh, those two open sides in tandem has worked well so far. Um, so, look, he, he's a key player. Probably out of any player, um, I would say he's the most valuable just in terms of having that on-ball presence that that, uh, that he seems to have. That um, without him, we just don't seem to have that, that uh, I guess, that we call it the jackal. You don't have that, uh, that player who's just over the ball, hungry, trying to steal the ball off the opposition. And, and he's very, very good at it. And as you said, he's a, he's a very fine leader as well. And... Uh, I think when Stephen Moore, he's generally going off at the 60-minute mark, um, you can lack that leadership with him off the field, and uh, and Pocock certainly has it in space. Yeah, um, interesting. It's what? interesting, Herbie. Sorry, um, that I was talking to Timmy Horn, your old centre uh, partner, and he said the exact same thing about Pocock. If Australia are to get to a final or, or to win this thing, that Dave Pocock's going to be player of the tournament. And you, you would have come across him obviously being involved with with the Reds. You know. The, the jackal side of things is, is clear and evident, and, and teams would always plan to try and target him before he, he even gets there. You know, what is it um, besides that, from a, from a captaincy point of view and a leadership point of view, is it that he brings that you know is different to anyone else? Uh, I mean, first first of all, it, it's scary that I'm agreeing with Tim Horan because I very rarely agree with him on anything, but. Uh, in terms of what Pocock brings, he's, um, I, th- I just think it's an intensity. I don't think Australia would have played with that laissez-faire attitude where they're throwing intercept passes and getting kicks charged down. He just seems to bring that, that uh, accountability to the teams that he's in. And, uh, and I think we missed that last week. And as final leader, I think uh, Hooper's a fine young leader as well. And I think he'll mature into being a a really good uh, captain in, in years to come. But uh, I just think Hooper just has that intensity about him where, you know, the, the guys I've, I've played under over the years, you know, Gregans and, uh, and Eels, they had this intensity about them where you knew that if you were slightly off your game, they'd let you know about it. And I think it often gets lost in the millennial age group where people don't like to challenge each other. And I think Pocock's one who was a bit of a throwback who will still uh, demand that his players give him the best and uh, give the team the best. So I think that that style of leadership and accountability, I think they missed that last week where uh, you could sense... I've, I mean, I only arrived... Um, I'm, I'm with the tour group. We arrived into uh, into Prague and we were watching it in a in an Irish bar 
strangely enough. And uh, and you could sense, I said to a mate of mine who I was with, 15 minutes into the game, we're in trouble because they're not playing with the usual um, intensity that they would they've normally approached the, the previous two pool matches, England and Wales, with. So you just had this sense that they were off, and if it was close, someone will do something silly, throw an intercept pass, get a kick charge down that could cost them the game. So I, I sensed it, and I think you can sense it when uh, when they were playing that game, that maybe they were starting to believe that even though you don't want to let it into your thoughts, they were probably subconsciously starting to think about the week after. And uh, I just don't think if Pocock was there, he would have allowed that to, to fester. Yeah, that's a pretty impressive characteristic to be able to galvanise your teammates like that. Danny, we're out of time. I presume you're predicting an Australia win? Oh, I think so, yeah. Look, I think I think Australia should get through. If they play to 90% of their potential, they should get through. If they don't, Argentina are a very, very tricky team, but we've never had an easy game against them, even when we've won. So uh, I think Australia should get through, and I'd, uh, I'd back the Kiwis to get through in the other, in the other game. Great to have you with us, uh, Danny Herbert. Thanks very much for joining us. World Cup winner, of uh, course, with Australia. Um, we didn't talk really, Brian, at all about New Zealand and South Africa. We've got a couple of minutes here. Um, everybody's just predicting a fairly routine victory for New Zealand, given the quality of their performance against France. But notwithstanding, if we expect a massive improvement in performance from Australia and a different attitude, this game's going to be totally different for New Zealand as well, right? Yeah, it will be. Um, and obviously, they're playing one of the teams that um, knows how to beat them and has beaten them not regularly, but more often than, than other sides. Yeah, um, actually, because I remember before we played them in the Autumn Internationals, all the talk was this new South African team had just beaten beaten the All Blacks, broken their you know their winning streak into this mm-hmm. new out half. So, you know, that, that can't have just disappeared. No, it hasn't. And you know what? It, so much of it, I think that's where, where Ireland have fallen down in the past against New Zealand is the fact that we've never beaten them. Oh, that's hanging over. These guys don't have that. It's like... It, pretty much everyone that has played against New Zealand, be it underage or, or a senior level in South Africa, has beaten them at some stage. So when you're starting from that point of view, it's like it's just another team. Play our best game, they won't be able to deal with it. And that's the way that the South Africans will be looking at this game. But likewise, the Kiwis will think that if we play anyway to the intensity and the level we played against France, nobody in world rugby, absolutely no one can live with us. Yeah, Um the All Blacks were pretty scary against France, but was that because we'd broken that French team, broken the spine of them, stomped on their heads to the point where their brain is bleeding out and they're actually just a mess, a rabble of men? Like, I mean, the notion that we beat this France team and then suddenly they're crap and, and we beat the crap team, it's like, that wasn't, that's, not, that's not what happened. We broke them first. <laughs> we, yeah, didn't, we didn't yeah, get them in that stage. Yeah, listen, the, the, for sure the, the, the fact that we had... We were we were talking before the tournament about France being our final game will will serve us well because we have two warm up games then Italy and then and then France for the decider and that'll be great we play our way into some form well on the flip side potentially it worked negatively because we did kick lumps out of one another and we both lost you know quite comfortably in the quarterfinals against our respective opposition um, and because it's very high to keep yourself up at that level of intensity and and it showed uh, at the same time. I do think this French team is particularly bad, and, and Diego um, was saying that it's the, the worst French team in the 10, 15, 20 years. I, you know, not knowing the history books, but I'd say it's up there with the worst French teams ever, and they need wholesale changes you know, across the board with attitudes and with personnel, um, but that's, that's for Guy Noves to worry about. I just think that you know, the Kiwis, if they were playing anyone in the world that day, they would have ripped them apart, and I heard Andrew Mertens on 
on radio when I was travelling during the game saying that if the All Blacks played against the All Blacks that day, I think they would have won. <laughs> so, you know, it was, it, it, which was, it, it was, they were that good in attack. <laughs> they just, you know, five handling errors and you're seeing, you know, the sub, you know, loose head and tight head props with one handed offloads. You just go, oh, this is a different level. And that comes, that comfort comes when you've got a 20 or 30 point buffer. And you're, you're able to show off those skills, but they still had to put themselves in a position to do that, and they did it quite comfortably. All right, Brian, we'll leave it there. Enjoy the weekend's games. Thanks a million. Cheers. We'll talk to uh, Brian again real soon. 53106 is the text number here. If you want to get in touch with us, you can tweet us at Off the Ball. Coming up in the next hour, we have, as usual, it's our Friday crappy quiz, but we're also going to be bringing you the story, the remarkable story of Ashwin Willemse, who is a Springbok who played uh, as part of the World Cup team in 2007, also part of the team in 2003, South African Player of the Year, I think, in, in 03 as well. Uh, former gang member, drug dealer, took drugs, has an incredible backstory, rescued by the game of rugby. All of that coming up in the next hour. Off the ball, getting inside the game. Sponsored by Ireland's favourite car brand, Ford. Go further.